Morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. How are you guys doing? Doing well? I feel like the room started to just like come alive during worship. It was like this this ramp into something really significant, I felt. And so I hope that if you're visiting, you just know that this is a place that treasures uh, the presence of God and pursues the lordship of Jesus in this place. We just hope that you feel welcome, uh, that you're loved and seen in this place. We are in, a, in the middle of a teaching series called Disciple. And uh, we're going to unpack one of, these, one of the things in this, this bumper. We're going to kind of unpack and, and disclose what is this all about, and that's going to be relational. What does relational mean? You guys ready to hear the word? Yes. All right, Awesome. What, what I want us to do, though, is I want us to, to maybe be kind of an active listener, okay? So I'm going to present some information and some thoughts and some, hopefully, inspiration, and I want you to respond with your heart. And I also want you to respond and allow your brain to kind of come, come alive as well and to, and to live and, and receive this from your spirit. Is that fair? I think sometimes in this, in this format, what I continue to confront is like, I'm a professor and you're like a student and that's just not the case. I'm, I'm like a coach and you guys are all-stars playing the game of, of Christianity. So all-stars right here. So um, I wanna start off with something really, really deep, okay, really something really significant. And that is uh, talking about my favorite TV show. Yeah. Favorite TV show, all right. Who here has heard of the show or watched the show Alone? Yeah. Come on. If you know, you know. Alone is on the History Channel. And has anyone seen Survivor Man back in the day? He's he's like the survival expert, and he's alone, and he's um, videotaping himself, kind of going through uh, how to feed himself and make a shelter and all these things. And so picture that with like a competition, okay? And so these are like ex, like military. These are Bush, bushcraft experts. These are all the people that can survive out in the wilderness, and they're, they're competing against each other alone, okay? And the winner gets $500,000. And they only can bring 10 items for survival, whether it's a tarp or a saw or sleeping bag, only 10 things. And, I, and I, Rachel and I are obsessed with the show for many reasons, and I can go on and on about it, but particularly the fact that it's just in the wilderness, which I, we all need a little wilderness, right? Um, and then also that it's kind of psychological. Yeah. Like they're confronting with themselves, their own thought patterns and their own limitations and their, their longings and the things that, their, their brokenness from the past, many of them are just like, just processing their life. And there's a reason why it's called alone versus like some spinoff of Survivor because the hardest part about it, although you know, they're, they're struggling to even feed themselves, the hardest part about it is that they are alone. But there's this one part where like, there is like this picture of gratitude that's displayed in the show that is just match, matchless because they'll, they're starving and then they'll find a squirrel, like a skinny little squirrel, and it's like they just found like a pot of gold, right? And they're just like, oh, thank you so much. And so the hardest part though, not their survival is actually being alone. You know, we're not meant to live alone. This is partly what you're coming here to do, is to fight against and resist this strategy of the enemy to isolate you. We're meant to live in nearness 
and closeness in relationship with others, both with people and with God. And we're, we're meant to live in a, in, a, in a sort of a relationship of giving and receiving love. And so we're in this teaching series, as mentioned, Disciple, Be With Jesus, Become Like Jesus, Do What Jesus Did. And so this is the subtitle for the, for the teaching series this week, or this, this series. However, this is also uh, an expansion of our values and our vision moving forward. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And we're, we're, we're heartbeat with this is to allow a redemption of the word disciple. I don't know if you hear the word disciple and you have all these, you import your own connotations. Maybe they're good, maybe they're not good. But we want to redeem this and allow ourselves to step into the true identity as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so the, so the, the definition that we're using is this, disciple, a lifelong learner, follower, and friend of Jesus, who helps others become a lifelong learner, follower, and friend of Jesus. And last week, we talked about love and obedience, right? And Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Then that's in John 14. And we learned that God is not interested in obedience alone. God isn't interested in obedience alone. He's interested in love that leads to obedience. We learned that last week. And that because obedience without love, the, obedience without love is legalism. <laughs> Dead religion and love without obedience is a lie, relational hypocrisy. You guys remember that from last week? Rachel preached the word. Wasn't that good? That was good. Yeah, she's just dropping bombs on us. And so if we're going to be disciples, if we're going to step into our true identity as people who follow in the ways of Jesus, who are disciples, we are called to live in the tension of obedience and love. And, and love is the, the life-giving seed of obedience. And so we talked about this. And so today we're going to continue to talk about this idea of love. We're going to unpack the reality of love, but in particular, we're going to explore some of these questions. What has God created the vehicle for love to be? How is love exchanged, spiritual and relational love to be ex exchanged? How, how are we transformed? Is it informational or is it relational? You know, uh, Pastor Ross, he is the lead pastor of the, the family of churches, all the campuses. And he has had this burden on his heart for a long time now to sort of shift the trajectory and, and priorities even and emphasis of our church to one that is more biblical and New Testament. American church often centralizes all of its efforts on Sunday, and it's important. Sunday worship is so, I love Sunday service, but it's more than that, right? We're supposed to live it out on Monday through Saturday as well. So how do we do that? And it's this shift into, into disciple making. And so Pastor Ross has kind of been like um, hinting and teasing about this, this paradigm or maybe this, this template that he's come up with. And he's been stewing and carrying it in his heart for many years. You guys, are you guys aware of that? There's this template that he wants to, to use as a map for disciple making. And we're going to start to unveil that today. So check out this graph up here. Everything that we do flows from our heart, right? 
We're not just brains on a stick, it's actually emanating from our heart. And so in the middle right here, there's so many verses about the, the emphasis on the heart, right? And right in the middle is what we talked about last week, which is love and obey, love and obedience. This is this, together, this is the expression and, and middle of disciple making and being a disciple of Jesus. And then you see up here, we have the four quadrants. And so these three on the, on the left, on the right, and on the top right are gonna be disclosed in weeks to come, but today we're gonna talk about relational. Everyone say relational. relational. Good job. Let's jump into the teaching text for today in Matthew 22. Before we do that, let's just pray and we'll get into the word. Heavenly Father, we come grateful that you're good and you're not distant and that you present yourself in a relational way. You come near, you're not transactional, you're unconditional. And so anyone who's coming here just feeling shame or feeling distracted or weighed down, including myself, would you just break those chains right now in the name of Jesus and let us receive what you want for us, this pathway into flourishing. We trust you, we love you. And everyone said, amen. 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 Matthew 22, Matthew 22, verse 35, it says this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, this is being Jesus, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Bless you. All of the law, right? All of the Torah, all of the scripture in the Old Testament, all the prophets hang on these two things. Love God with everything, all of your ability, all of your faculty, all of your being, and love others as yourself. I don't know about you, but I love myself, <laughs> right? I just, I just catch myself prioritizing myself all the time. You're not like that, right? I know. But it's just like sometimes we just need to remember, man, this is the, this is the bar to love God in everything I think and all of my being, my soul, all of my heart and other translations says strength. So that's like another word for that is your will and your volition. It's entire, right? And then there's also to love others as yourself. The scripture speaks of God as, as love itself. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And by nature, love is relational. If you don't have a relationship, it's not in the container or the vessel of relationship. Love cannot be exchanged. It's the nature of love. It's relational, hence the Trinity, right? That's another, that's another doctrine to tackle later. But everything, everything about God is relational. And so the core values here at One Chapel as many of you guys know, is presence, relationship, and mission. And relationship sits in the middle because everything flows from relationship. It's through relationships that we can multiply. It's through relationships that love is exchanged. And so as I mentioned, relationship is the vehicle for love. 
And so what I really want us to understand, what I want to unpack and highlight for us and almost like deconstruct in a good way and, and unlearn perhaps, reverse engineer all the ways I'm trying to communicate, we have to unlearn some things. And that's following in the ways of Jesus is not merely informational, but it's relational, right? So in Matthew 22 and verse 35, it says that, that the expert in the law came testing Jesus. And so this is an expert of the Torah and all of like the, the commandments and an expert, let's say, in information. And I believe that the author in the gospel here, Matthew, is drawing a, a stark contrast. God isn't after informational experts. He's looking for relational intimacy. And this expert of the law was probably not getting that. Relational intimacy is the riverbed for love. And so God doesn't want us just to learn. Like, you just got to learn more so that you can be an expert and then you can do things better, right? God wants us to become. He wants us to become and to be like Jesus so that we can love. Because love is the force of God on earth. However, the world... I, if you think about it, the world that we live in and the culture that we live in has this sort of, I've been thinking about it, has this unwritten understanding or this bias towards how we think. It's like you should, you should think and approach life and what matters most in all of your relationships in this certain way. And that is informational. The bias is that life and what matters most in our relationships is about what we know and this can expand in so many ways. It's like, I'm a Christian. I have this worldview. No, it's more than that. I, I want to have a good relationship. I read all, about, all these books. It's more than that. I want to be a disciple. I have this knowledge. I, can, I have all these scriptures memorized. It is more than that. It is that, but it is more than that. Right. It's not about just what we know so that we can do stuff. And even more explicitly in the modern context, knowing is reduced to information. Right? The internet is just like an example of that. It's not really about, like it's, if it's reduced to anything, it's information. So knowing in our culture is information. And what we want to do with that information is to be experts. Right? Expert in theology or dog grooming or, you know, you go, schooling is, is just a pathway into expertise. Right? So everything we have been conditioned to then import that into our, our relationship or our our Christian context and following in the, in the ways of Jesus. And so this expert in the law is kind of an example of that. And we have this temptation too. Does that make sense? Yes. And so God is looking for something more than just experts in doing. And so I want to, I want to show you this. This is a little dense maybe. And I want, I want to unpack this a little bit. And so I made you a graphic. Okay. Um, and I like graphics because they're really visual. And so I want to show you this graphic to clarify and to flesh this out a little bit. And so let's start on the bottom left. We have this quadrant. We have this square here. And we have knowing. And we've already talked about knowing. I think there's this, this nature of us to just begin with knowing. I just got to read more. I got to, like, educate more. I got to update, Right? And this is knowledge, this is information, this is data to be experts. So then we can go and do, be and then doing, 
have more out output, activity, productivity, so that we can be experts in doing. Does that make sense? And so let's go to the second graph. However, we actually need to actually probably focus more on being. So in the top left is knowing who you are, knowing your identity and your presence. And so when you walk into the room, are we, like, let's say, are we aware of the way that we're coming off? Are we aware of our sense of self? Are we aware of the presence that we're emanating? Are we an anxious presence? Are we a self-absorbed presence? Are we a cynical presence? Are we a fearful presence? Or are we people that bring joy and hope and innocence and the fruits of the Spirit and truth? So this is about being. And this actually flows to relating, and we'll call that relating. And so this idea is connecting and loving and compassion and postures. It's like, how am I posturing myself with other people? Am I posturing above them? Am I posturing in a transactional way? Or am I posturing in a loving, serving way, right? How are we called to relate to the world? How are we bringing influ true influence, kingdom influence? It's all of these things. And so the posture, the cool thing about the posture, I believe, if you want to hear from the Lord, posture yourself in the right way and God will start speaking to you. And that's where the perceiving part comes in. And, he's, and the Holy Spirit starts giving you truth and downloads knowledge and scriptures make sense. There's a clarity. And that comes back and helps you in the doing. And then it helps all of that helps us in the being. So it's a holistic approach. I think most of the time, though, um, we focus on knowing and doing. And then we wonder why we have so many problems. But it's because the problems are there because we don't know how to be. We don't know who we are. And therefore, we don't know how to relate to people because we don't even know who we are, right? And so we, we emphasize the knowing and the doing, but 90% of the problems that we face are the lack of being and knowing who we are and relating. And so I feel like this, this, is a, this is a holistic approach that I feel like the Holy Spirit that Jesus wants to bring us into in, ter in terms of being disciple makers. You know, we, we do face a lot of problems in our, in our day. <laughs> um, but how many of you guys know that God has a plan? <laughs> and that he desires and longs and aches to bring peace right into the middle of our problems. It's who he is. And so sometimes maybe I'll give you all this, this information, and information's not innately bad. But God is with us. All of this is this relational Harmony and unity with the creator and architect, the perfecter of our faith. And he desires to bring peace and his plan in the midst of our problems. God wants to bring transformation right into the middle of it. You know, the scriptures calls God the God of hope. Just receive that. He is the God of hope. In a hopeless society, we serve and worship the God of hope. Yes. He also carries and emanates joy constantly. <laughs> He's not like, oh, disgruntled. Yeah, you didn't do it. You didn't do it right. 
No, he's joyful. He's overflowing. It's like a spring of life of joy wherever he is. And he's peace. He's called the Prince of Peace. He walks into the room and war has to scatter. And not only the absence of war, it's not just a piece of the absence of war, it's, it's actually beyond that, it's shalom. It's flourishing. I want to give you shalom. I want to give you peace. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, in one of my favorite passages, and he says this, Paul says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you do what? You trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how are we filled with joy and peace? We just read it, right? We trust God. How do we become the people that he wants us to become so that we can posture ourselves in a way to relate to other people, so that we can win the lost, so that we can have healthy marriages and relationships we trust God and we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we yield to him. Holy Spirit, I just give you control in this moment. I worship you, Jesus. I yield all of my like striving and all of my mechanisms for control and gain. I just yield that to you, God. I relax into your presence, right? We spend time with God. And it's not like we have to go to some, some like special place even. We could just turn to God right here. Holy Spirit's inside of us. We are the temple of God and we just shift our attention and we become empowered to become who we're called to be. Matthew chapter one, verse 16, it says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Verse 17, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed him. You know, I find this very interesting in this passage that Jesus, Jesus is giving this invitation and he says this, come and study me. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> right? He doesn't say that. Come, just study me. No, he says, come follow me. All of eternal life is found in these three words, friends. Come and follow me. And he invited the disciples back then, and he's inviting you and I today. Do you believe that? This is the standing, open invitation for, from the creator of the universe to step into the life of flourishing that we, we long for and ache for. Come follow me. And then he expands this invitation. Let's just go a little further. He expands this invitation in Mark 3, verse 14. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And so back to the quadrant idea, Jesus teaches them. He gives them the knowledge on how to preach, to know what to say. 
He commissions them to go and to go do the activity of the kingdom, to serve, cast out demons, to be an extension of the kingdom of light in the darkness. He has this, he's giving them this knowledge of him. And then he shows them how to become, to have the right to be carriers of, of him and their true identity and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he shows them how to relate to the world through a posture of love humility, and power. But it begins with this simple and profound truth. Jesus called the disciples in Mark 3, 14 here, that they might be with him. Everything flows from this place. Does that sound familiar? Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Everything flows from this place. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All truth, all activity, all life, and the doing, and the becoming starts from this place of a relationship with Jesus. Amen. You know, I've been, I've been kind of going through, like running, with, uh, what am I saying? I'm trying to... I'm getting punched in the face a lot. Let me put, the, put it that way. There's just different things, you know, just our, our community. Tragedy happening to many people right here in this community. Uh, things with our facility. Things that just, there's just a lot of attacks, to be honest. And two weeks ago was the well drying out. We had no water. And it was funny because earlier in the week, I had this, this idea that, we good? It's my beard. Um, last, yeah, two weeks ago, I had this, I had this illustration and like this, this picture on my heart of a super bloom that God would shift the atmosphere in a, in a desolate place and pour out his rain so that dormant seeds would come out of the dry ground and cross pollinate and produce a super bloom right here in our community. And lo and behold, that Sunday, what happens? The well dries. <laughs> There is an enemy of our soul. And I, I also believe that God wants, to, God wants to remind us that he's in control. In the midst of like, it's like in the, exactly in the lack. Do you trust me? It's, too, it's just like too close. Like why? And then this week we're talking about connection and relationship and what goes down? The internet. And I, maybe from your context, you're like, yeah, it's just like, it's the internet. But for us, it's actually how we turn all the lights on. It's how we turn the AC on. It's how we check in the kids. It's how we get the soundboard on. Like, it's everything. And so the enemy comes and slashes at that last night. And so I'm sitting there talking to a tech at like 10 p.m. And I'm like, God, I thought for a second we were just going to have a donut party. And um, but we're actually able to have service. And so... In all of that, I've just like, I'm just reminded to spend time with Jesus. The, the, the intuition is when things get hard, go and do. But in the kingdom, it's actually when things get hard, spend time with Jesus. And it's so counterintuitive to the way that we work as human beings, but that's exactly what we need to do. And that's what 21 Days of Prayer has been all about. In the midst of our problems, in the midst of the chaos, 
It's not doing, it's being with Jesus. And from that, we overflow into this healthy activity of doing. And so just to, to round this out, I want to give, give us three practicals uh, on how to spend time with Jesus and to grow relationally and build more friends, okay? So let's go through these quickly. Number one is give God and give people your attention. It's just like so easy to just live in this chronic state of distraction, right? I'm like, I just constantly, myself, I'm like constantly reaching for my phone. It's like, come on, right? Give God our attention. God, I give you all of my attention. I just, I just rebuke this multiplicity, this duplicity, this, this I want to be single-minded unto you. And turn off the devices, do whatever you need to do, Give God your attention and be present. You know, speaking of attention, it's so easy to be distracted and like, oh, like all these things. But be present. Be present in your own body. Be present with who's around you. Be present with God. Jesus was like that. He was just present with what was going on, who was in front of him. He was present to what the Father was saying. So that's number one. Number two is give God and others, your affection. Don't be withholding. Don't be transactional. Just give freely. And it, when we do, it starts to just spread healing. When we just love freely, it's like, but wait, you didn't do that thing I wanted you to do, or you hurt me, or this or that. Just love unconditionally, because this is how God has designed it. Non-transactional, man. I think I just, I just would like love to just dismantle that. We live in a very transactional world. But God doesn't really do a lot of transformation in the transactions. He does it in unconditional love. And so sometimes that might look like, God, I just give you my affection right now. I don't even feel it right now. And my mind kind of rejects it, but I do love you. And so I give you my love. I give you my affection. I adore you, Jesus. I see you and I... I'm struck by your beauty and watch yourself come alive for faith and love and adoration to Jesus. Watch yourself. When you freely give to others, you'll start to really freely give, love them. Pray for them as well. And your heart will open up. I'll call up Eric. We're going to move to a close here. He's going to add a little texture to the, the landing. The last one is believe. Believe and receive the love of God. In John 6, 28 and 29, it says, Then they asked him, what, mu what must we do to do the works God requires? <laughs> it's like the disciples were getting antsy. They, they're, they, they're like us. They're like, what do we need to do, God? We got to do stuff. Productivity. What are the, what are the works we got to do? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. <laughs> it's so easy for us to get just restless and antsy. Oh, I just got to do stuff, <laughs> right? So impatient. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. But God is like, Jesus is like, actually, the works that God requires is to believe the one who sent. You know, I was, I was researching 
this week. And I love the insight of commentator from Frederick Dale Bruner. He says that the best modern translation for the ancient Greek word for believe in John's gospel is the modern English word for relax. Jesus, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I want you to relax into my promises. I want you to relax into my presence. I want you to relax into my power, into my mission. I want you to relax into me. So the invitation I think is like for us to take Jesus seriously enough that in the midst of our problems, and our hurts and our, and our challenges and our stress <laughs> and anxiety and pain, all these things that we can relax with him, even in the midst of all of that. What are the works that God requires of you, church, to step into the ways of Jesus, to be a disciple-making culture? It begins with believing and relaxing into the person and promises of Jesus Christ. You know, when we do this, when we spend time with Jesus, we will grow in health and wholeness and our purpose and our relationships will be set onto the trajectory of flourishing. And so what I want us to do right now is just to sort of shift into a time of ministry and allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts here and maybe just relax with God for a second. And maybe you're feeling your body just kind of like get tired. That's okay. (laughs) Maybe that's exactly what your body needs right now. But maybe you're like burning with the presence of God. And so Holy Spirit, we shift our attention through your power to our Lord Jesus. And we relax with you. What does it take to relax? It takes trust. It takes embracing. It takes yielding. It's vulnerable to relax. It takes vulnerability. So Lord, would you be in this place as we resist and allow ourselves to be, to resist the the urges to just produce and allow ourselves to become like you by spending time with you. And as we do, we'll become like you and we'll relate to others in a good way. All those who feel shame in this place, Lord, I just pray a covering of your grace on them all those who need hope and motivation, I speak hope and motivation from heaven. Thank you that all these things we pray aren't aren't attached from you. It's actually just more of you. And so where, where we're lacking, we just ask you to pour out your presence, to pour out your person and meet us in this place. Let's just linger here in a place of receiving and see if the Holy Spirit wants to say anything spontaneously here.
Lord, I just thank you that you are making us step into the fullness of our identity as your bride in union with you. Thank you for the joy in this place, Lord. <laughs> I feel like there's joy just kind of starting to bubble up. <laughs> and so Lord, just have our church. We don't want to just play church. I always say that, but it's true. We want the real thing. And so we give you permission to form and fashion us. And we thank you that the invitation is so sweet and so precious. Come and follow me. Come experience healing and wholeness, salvation, mended relationships. Yeah, have this time, Lord. So let's worship here and allow God to lead us, to speak to us. We'll see where we want to go from there. Let's worship together.